Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to start our series of looking through the best club grounds in County Cavan, the best GA club grounds in County Cavan. Um, as always, I'm joined by sports editor of the NSL, Paul Fitzpatrick. And um, Paul, before we actually get into the, the club grounds and we'll we, we go through it a wee bit, I suppose to take care of a wee bit of housekeeping, the Draw was obviously made uh, for the Ulster Championship. It sees Cavan Tyrone. We've done a bit of a preview on it um, over on the Diehards podcast. But since that, we've had the fixtures released for the Alliance Football League, um, which Cavan are in Division 3 North, I think it's called, which is Cavan, Fermanagh, Longford and Derry. We get two games in Kingspan Breffney and one game away. Yeah, so f- first uh, uh, day out for Cavan is the 15th of May, 7 o'clock, Cavan are at home, or sorry, away to Fermanagh, and then we're at home to Longford the following Saturday, which is the 22nd, and then the following Saturday after that, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we're at home to Derry. Uh, so what happens there is the top two teams out of each group uh, go to the semi-finals. So first in, in our group, of four will will play second on the other side of it in the semi-finals and the winners of that will go into the final. Uh, now, the final will only be played if the team is not playing in the championship within the next two weeks. So, Which Cavan definitely won't be given the dates of the championship. Cavan aren't out until July uh, July 4th, am I right in saying? Not sure off the top of my head. Yeah, so, that, so that's good as well that there be, will be a league final played. Now, the interesting thing is as far as I can gather and I was talking to Liam McCabe this morning he was going to get clarity on it but he, he was pretty sure uh, that you have to basically make the final to be promoted so it doesn't matter if you top your group time. or anything like that you, you have to make the final so you, you're going to need to win that semi-final against either first or second on in Division 3 South to get promoted so there will be two teams promoted you've got to go to Brewster the first day so that game against Roman is massive now for Cavan yeah. it's, it's huge you get a win there and you no, you're probably not going to... You're setting yourself up nicely, at least not to be bottom of, of it. And you'd be hoping to kick on and get to the semis and get back to Division 2, which which would be great because Cadmore were lucky to go there last year. And I think they showed after that they're they're, they're much better than a Division 3 team, what you would think of it as a Division 3 team generally. Mm, the, 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 like I was discussing this with a few people and... and we were kind of saying, okay, if you have to have one game away, where would you have it? And a few were kind of saying, I'll oh, go to go to Longford as your away games. For Mickey Graham has a great record in in Pierce Park in Longford, but Cavan have a great record in Brewster Park. 
like we, we can't forget that overall like it's it's been a ground that we've been beat we beat down there in the qualifier two years ago or three years ago now um nearly beat Tyrone have beaten Fermanagh on a few occasions in championship down there and we've all that Ulster on the 21 success as well so the the guys will will you know Brewster Park seems like almost our home from home yeah no Calvin have an unbelievable record in Brewster like Serious, even when we beat Fermanagh back in 2016, I think it was, um, which was a big win on the way to promotion to Division One. Fermanagh hadn't been beaten, I think, in two and a half years in Bruce at that time. And Cavan went to, went to beat them by five or six points that evening. So, Cavan mm. loved playing in Bruce Park. And Fermanagh actually had a very good home record going for five or six years, and they've taken a couple of losses now since that. But, uh, yeah, no, Cavan absolutely love it. I don't know that we nearly beat their own that day. I think that maybe that's the supporter. Coming out in the event, Damien. I don't know if we nearly beat them, but we it was a, it was one of the better uh, performances against their own. Like they were well ahead, true. coming up to half time, and then Kevin rallied. I think Kevin actually got back level, didn't they? Or maybe got back within one. Yeah, I got back within one anyway, with, with with maybe six seven minutes to go. Yeah, um, yeah, of ordinary time, and you know, we it looked like we had all the momentum, and I can't just remember did did we lose a player or something happened did they get an injury or something that just kind of staggered momentum I'd, I'd love that you watch back that game but I remember, I remember talking to Mickey Hannon after the game and we were both agreeing that it was the worst their own team we had seen in donkey's years that that they were <laughs> they were a very ordinary team they end up in the other final so I'll tell you what we know but it was a funny that was funny because uh there was that was in the middle of a heat wave and it was insanely hot weather coming into that and I remember we were saying like you know for for maybe a freak result would have been hard to cabin, but we'd say for a freak result or for a shock, you might need some sort of freak conditions at, at play. And, and like you definitely had freak weather conditions there. Uh, and yeah. Gavin had done an awful lot of hard running that, that year in training. Like all the talk was about the long runs Gavin were doing. And uh, maybe that did play into it that year that they were, they were still going at the end in those conditions. But uh, I don't. It was a good performance, but I, I, in general, Calvin were going bad at the time. Like they were after playing shocking bad against Darren and somehow won that game. But Darren lost. Well, like Darren got two players sent off. Yeah, they, they like I think they, four or five of their best players ended up having to go off or in black cards and everything else. And then Calvin got a Johnny Gold from long range. So things weren't going well that time, but still, it was another win in Brewster, as you say. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and I suppose from maybe the. The journalist last supporters' point of view, a, a trip up to Celtic Park would have been nice. Uh, we, we might have even got a night away on that one, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm raising about that. I'm I'm going to petition <laughs> petition Crow Park to change that fixture. I was thinking the night there, or you could have even went to Letterkenny or somewhere, but uh, that's providing, I suppose that that. Well, I was just going to say, at least you know, Derry, you get a point in it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, we can't we can't be talking about even things like socialising. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut you off there so, so we'll, we'll move on um. Brady's Arva Limited main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years a family owned and family run business Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA if you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. 
They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. I have to give full credit to you for coming up with the idea of ranking the club grounds um, around Cav. And I think it's a, a, do you know, when we actually sat down, started to, to rank all of the grounds, what actually came true for me was we have some phenomenal facilities in Cav and GA clubs that are, you know, we, we tend to look at what we don't have sometimes instead of looking at what we do. And there's, there's very few clubs that don't have the bare necessities that are necessary to prepare a, a, a Gaelic football team. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Like most clubs now have, have floodlit second pitches. Like definitely a majority, certainly well over half, I'd say, have a, a training field. You have a good few clubs now that have floodlights that are good enough to hold a championship match under, which is, requires a lot of investment. You have a lot of clubs um, that have opened new new facilities like indoor facilities where they have yeah. community halls and new dressing rooms and gyms most clubs have a gym now so it's really come on a lot um, I'd say in the last 20 years it's just it's unimaginable the leaps and bounds that's, that's been made because back then uh, facilities were, were old, completely old school but they've really caught up a lot in the last 10 years you've seen a lot of developments going on so I think we're, we're pretty well served one thing I always notice about Cavan we have we have never bought into the the thing of having a bar in the clubhouse in Cavan. Mm. Really, still kill, only one. Killing care is the only one, and like yeah. it's common. You know, you, you talk to people from other counties. It's very common. It's very common in Dublin, in Belfast. The bar nearly goes in before the football pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know it's common in me. The talking to Mickey Brennan before, and he was mentioning a few clubs of bars. Few in Monaghan. There's there's seven or eight I think in Monaghan. Are there? Yeah. So there you, yeah. There you go. It's amazing. Like so. Um, and 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 to talk about Killing Care's bar, I suppose very briefly, there was a period where it had become a hindrance to the senior team because that was literally all they wanted to do was go to the bar after the game, and it was so convenient that it became a problem. And then <laughs> they've managed to turn it around in the last five or six years into an asset again that actually is generating income. So it's it, it can turn full circles. Um, from from one way to the other, but it, it definitely in killing care at the moment, or definitely like a few years ago, and I think still at the moment, it, the bar actually runs a profit for them. So if you can do that and generate an income from it, you know it's it's maybe something. I'm cautious about saying this, but it's maybe something other clubs should look at because when when ran well and maybe not abused, it it can be a real asset. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it would definitely bring more people in and you want you want football uh, the problem might be getting them out <laughs> <laughs> yeah and sometimes that's that is the problem location and taxis and, and all that sort of stuff but you know when we when we actually got through the entire list what what stood out for me more than anything is that the ga clubs in a lot of cases in Cavan are now the very center of the community in terms of it's not just facilitating footballers it's facilitating People with other sports, obviously your camogie and your handball in some cases, and and but you have astroturf pitches, you've got gyms, you've got meeting rooms, you've got you know spaces where there's Pilates going on and there's yoga going on and all different sort of line dancing in some clubs, and they've nearly the GA in Cavan have stepped into that role of of 
you know, community facilitators by by developing all these wonderful um wonderful buildings and wonderful facilities around. So it's it, it just goes to show that GA it's more than just the sport in itself. It's it's very much a community organization. Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And I think I think some of the funding that clubs would have accessed would have been dependent on that. Uh, bringing in community yeah. areas and spaces like that as well. So that's possibly a part of it as well. But the amazing thing, and I'd say this is replicated in a lot of counties, and I know we don't have a really strong soccer scene in Calvin. And I'm always surprised when it, when you drive through other counties and you come across this like a beautiful wee soccer club, you know, with a couple of pitches and a nice clubhouse and stuff like that. We don't floodlights and yeah, you don't really see that in Calvin, really. Like there's a couple of examples, but not very often. I would say in almost every parish in Cavan, the GEA club is head and shoulders the best sporting facility, uh, which is which is a testament to the GEA. Like there might be one or two examples where it's not, mm. but in the vast majority it is. So that tells you all you need to know, really. Yeah, so look, we, we'll get into the list and, and we'll explain to people, obviously there's 40 clubs, 40 grounds in Cavan, but not to go through them all, we kind of said we'd cut it off. Um, after we had them all ranked, we we decided we'd... we'd decided that we just bring the top 25 um because we, we could be there all day trying to um or we could be here forever trying to give it in, in ranks of 40. Um so we ranked them across six different um categories. One was the setting. So um you know in terms of the, the where it was placed, what you can see from the uh from the the, the grounds and then you know what kind of feeling you get when you're in the ground? Are, are you are you enthusiastic about it? Does it does it excite you in any way? The surface of the playing pitch. So that's based on just the, the number one field, the field that they play on. We didn't take into account the surface of their second fields or anything like that. The stand facilities, um, which is pretty self-explanatory. The dressing rooms, which is also pretty self-explanatory. The extra facilities. So that can go from floodlit pitches to AstroTurf pitches, to indoor uh, soccer, basketball, handball facilities, um, meeting rooms, a bar, um, cryo spa, gyms, a second pitch, a running track, all these extra facilities that that kind of bring the community in together. Um, I th- did I leave anything out on extra facilities there, Paul? No, I think you've, you've, you've covered most of that, all right. And then the final one was, was the most important one for me and Paul. Yeah, the, the shop. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are actually going, I know you mentioned the bar already. <laughs> um, no, the press facilities. So um, now all of these were marked out of 10. And, and in hindsight, I'm looking at it and going, does press facilities deserve 10 when the stand is getting 10 points as well? But anyway, it's done now. We're not changing it. We're not There's changing too much it. work on it, it is. No, it took, it took half the day yesterday. Um, yeah, so on, on the setting, I suppose we should be, just to be clear, like we're talking about sort of the aesthetic look of it as well. Um, so you want, where possible, a natural amphitheater is always nice like, to have sort of a, a bowl effect. Uh, some nice scenery is good. Uh, how, how it's finished off. Sometimes you might, you mightn't be in the most uh, picturesque part of the country, but, but clubs are able to finish off their facilities very well with, with different things. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I don't want anyone to take offense if their club is lowly ranked on that score because, there's probably a bit of personal preference in that as well. And on surface, then we should, we also sort of included the size of the pitch as well. So 
that's right. If it's a good big pitch, you're you're ranked a little bit higher as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so we'll we'll reveal our number twenty five on our club ground rankings, and it's Beltorbit, the Rory O'Moore's club. Um, going through it very quickly, I suppose, Paul. Um, the setting we gave it a six out of ten. Um, not that, not that we've anything against it, but there, it, it doesn't take your breath away. Um, just at at that moment, as you as you're in the stand or or in it, so yeah. Um, it's it, and and you know where probably the wall behind the goal blocks the potential of where there is a nice view out onto the golf course. So you, you can't really just see that. Knock that wall, and we might go up to a seven. <laughs> Yeah, the no, surface, the, the surface we've we've gone for. A, go on, sorry. No, no, go ahead, David. Sorry, yeah. The surface we've gone for a nine here, and but we have to put the caveat with that that it's getting a nine because it's a brand new pitch. But we, I haven't been on it since it's been sown and played on last year. I think it was the first year that that it actually got played on. But from talking to people from Beltor, but it is top quality. The, the surface is amazing. So we have to just go with a, a brand new pitch is always going to be a nine. Yeah. And the funny thing was, Beltor would open a new facility, like in the, probably in the late nineties, Cavan played mm. Dublin uh, at the opening of that pitch. And it was never, I never thought it was a great pitch, even though it was a new pitch back then. Uh, I, I never thought, thought it was a great pitch. I don't think it was generally recognized as being a super pitch for a new one. Um, so it's no surprise that they kind of had to relay it r- relatively uh, yeah. quickly after that. Like, it's, you know, it probably lasted 20 years. You'd imagine a pitch maybe would last longer than that before you'd need a total revamp. But uh, yeah. the new pitch, I believe, is top class. Yeah, definitely. Um, the stand, we gave them a 7 out of 10. Um, probably the advantage of the stand is that it, it is raised that little bit above pitch level. So even though there isn't... A, a huge gradient on the stand you've got a huge amount of space that you can get a really good view of the game and it's kind of it's it's located well along the sideline of the pitch in terms of it's not too far down one end or the other so you get a good game a good view of of it overall and probably it could have got higher if there was more of a gradient on it so that you could you know facilitate more people standing one behind the other on it um the dressing rooms we went for a six on this one um the the fact that they're located quite a bit away from the pitch i think is always made, nearly a disadvantage particularly i think as a manager you, you know you, you give your team talk you, you you inspire them you motivate them and by the time you get onto the field you think they're in another country <laughs> the, the whole energy is nearly gone by the time you get onto that field yeah, um, some boys mightn't be fit and they could be tired by the time they get there <laughs> well that, that, that was always my general feeling the manager would get me raved up and by the time we get onto the field I needed water you know? so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so probably location lets them down slightly extra facilities they didn't get well we gave them a 6 out of this out of 10 on this like they have the big hall or they have space in there. I was actually never in the hall. Um, so to say that that I, I don't know exactly how good it is, but there's a big building there anyway. And I presume that, that there's there's extra space in there which which can be used as a gym and stuff like that. They have the training field to the to the other side. So they have enough space there to to run lots of underage teams at the same time. Um and there's there's floodlights there for the training area as well. So 
that's why we went with a six out of ten for the extra facilities for them. Yeah, a lot of the dressing room rankings I'm going to be bowing out to you on, Damien, because I haven't been in a lot of those facilities. And to see a lad like me coming in with a dick to bone, you don't be long getting run out of the place. So I've only, <laughs> I've only kind of seen the door opening on some of them. But um, my my standard memory when I think about Bentorbert is years ago, I'd say it was about 14 or 15, and Red Hills were going reasonably well at the time. Red Hills had, had a big slump in the mid-90s and had kind of gone from a good intermediate team to a poor intermediate team to a poor junior team and they were starting to rise up again coming into the late 90s so I was probably about 15 and Butters Bridge were big rivals of Red Hills at the time both teams with a similar profile and had a good few of the lads had played together on underage amalgamations and Red Hills played the bridge in Bethorbert in a junior championship game the place was packed <laughs> I think the bridge the bridge got off to a good start but John Kelly was playing for Red Hills and like he he would have been well in his mid thirties at the time, but he was a brilliant scorer and forward, and he was a great free taker as well. And he gets you seven or eight points a game. He was good to get a goal as well. But anyway, uh, Andy McMahon was one of the young forwards for Red Hills, and he was playing well. And Red Hills, John Kelly started the game really well. And suddenly, the bridge got like two points at the start, and suddenly, all of a sudden, Red Hills were like one seven to three up, sort of in no time. And John Kelly was flying, but uh, Andy McMahon came flying down the wing. Red Hills. Torn, torn the bridge over and they were playing into the into the end with the reservoir with the reservoir so our heads were attacking that end so it was the far side of, from the stand and uh, Andy McMahon was coming bombing down down the wing got away from his man and there was a massive overlap I'm not going to name the Butler's Bridge mentor but there was a Butler's Bridge mentor sitting on the grass and he was sort of just sitting on his backside with his with his knees up in front of him watching the action and he was quite close to the sideline and just Andy, as the ball broke, Andy <laughs> went soccer style up the wing and was, was kicking the ball on ahead of him and kept and following up. And he was making great ground. And next thing your man just stuck out the foot <laughs> and over. <laughs> like, man, at full belt, over he went. And he, he tumbled down the pitch. And it was absolute holy war. Uh, but not, the referee and the linesman hadn't seen it. And it looked like, like our man had just uh, tripped over as he was running so fast. And it was absolute holy war. So when I think of Beltorbeth, uh, that story always comes to mind. Well, whoever whoever the, the mentor or or the, the the selector was for Butler's Bridge, he can take solace in the fact that in 1992 or 1993, I was playing on the 12 game, and Father Tom McKernan done it to one of the drum elite players. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing Lorgan up in Virginia, and actually, well, he he'd know him fairly well, John Galligan. I t- I think they may be related or something, but he was booting it up the wing, real close game. There's only a point in it, like an under 12. There's not really too many games, only a point in. He stuck the boot out and tripped them. <laughs> and and I'll also, I, oh, actually, do you know what? I won't. No, I will. I'll mention it. Mickey Graham done it once <laughs> in a minor or under 16 game or something. Uh, he, do, he done it along the sideline of Terry Kyle to a drum league player. So. <laughs> Your your man from Red Hills wasn't the only one to ever do that. Well, the lad who did it to him, uh, without revealing his identity, he was known to do a better refereeing as well. And that got thrown at him, I remember, as well, in the ensuing league. So. <laughs> you just revealed his identity. Ah, no, no, no. There could have been any, anyone could have been refereeing about this bridge in the 90s. I'm not saying any more than that. That's all right. Okay. So I'll, tell, then, I'll tell you off air. That's okay. Um, so then... On press facilities, we gave Beltorbet a four. And basically to explain that on press facilities, if you have 
a place with a roof over your head, you, you get the basic four. But if there is no essential press facilities, you know, so essentially you get a four because you've got a stand that a reporter could stand in or a, a dugout that they could sit in. Um, but no, no real press facilities. So that gives Beltor about a total of 38 um, and leaves them in 25th on our rankings. Moving on then to 24. Um, and we've gone for Gauna on this one. Uh, they get ahead of Beltor, but we've gone with their setting. We give them a seven. You know, it's it's out in the country. It's it's you can see a bit of a lake over to the side. You know, it, it's it's not a half bad setting at all. In fairness to them, um, yeah. nice and flat. Yeah, I like I like Gauna. Yeah, you're in the country. You can chill out. The last time I was there was for the. Uh, You've never played in Gowney. You can't chill out. The minute you get into the village, you get a shiver on your spine knowing <laughs> it's Gowney you're playing. <laughs> the last time I was there was for the, the free kick taking competition, if you remember. Uh, oh, yeah, with KBG. KBG ran. Um, yeah, no, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Great set. Great set. Okay, so the surface, we've given them a six and a half on this. And the main reason being that their actual their training pitch now has probably a better surface than their main field. Uh, I think the initial plan or the plan for Gauna was to do the training field. Um, so they basically constructed a brand new training field. And then when that was ready to go, they would then do the main field, but they haven't just got to the main field being done as yet. So um, there are times of the year where it can be quite heavy Um so it, it it's it's not it's not one of the best playing surfaces in the in the county. Um their stand, we give it a seven out of ten, right up on top of the action. Um, you know, the fence had to be constructed quite high there. That's in called front of it. That's called ringside in Garner. That's called ringside, exactly. And 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 there's been people been known to get a splatter of blood <laughs> <laughs> by being ringside in Garner. So there is. Um but I like, do you know what? It, it can create a serious cauldron too. Like it's 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 almost like drum goon in terms of that when when the when the spectators get vocal, you're never too far away from the other spectator who's who's shouting and therefore it gets a bit of rivalry. It, it can generate a really good atmosphere. You know, well, we should we should say that that as any stand that sort of congregates people together, we have kind of weighted highly. Rather as in we prefer a high, uh, deep stand exactly. that, that pulls everyone together rather than one of those long, low stands where you're where you're mi- you can be miles away from the the eagle from the club up the road that you want to share that. Well, that's it, and and on top of that, the high stand, the one that that elevates back um, up, gives you a better. You're 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 never too far away from any one point in the field because they're generally located in the center of the pitch. So whereas a long stand that goes the whole length or half the length of the pitch, you could be down at the bottom end and it's very hard to see at the top end of, of the field. So, um, yeah, so then we got their dressing room facilities. We gave them an eight out of 10. After building new dressing rooms there a few years ago and, and their, their state-of-the-art um, modern, they've got loads of space in them, um, comfortable benches and everything like that. The showers are great. The, the whole area around it is, is, is pretty much top-notch. Um, the extra facilities they get a seven, so they've got, as we said, a training pitch, um, which I think has lights on it. One of the pitches has training lights on it. Um, they've got a running track, 
They've got a gym upstairs. They've got a kitchen. They've got meeting rooms in, in the new facility there. So their, their, their dressing rooms, their extra facilities, they're, they're quite good on. Um, we were happy enough to give them a 7 out of 10 on that. I don't think I'm missing anything else that they have there. Obviously, they've the dugouts. Um, they've actually dug out some both sides of the field, I think, now. Um, yeah, Gern is unlucky in its location. It doesn't get a lot of club championship matches just because of location. And I imagine if it was more central, uh, they would get more matches there, which is unfortunate because clubs do make a nice few quid on, on lottos and things like that. And, and it pays clubs yeah. to, to host these games and you get a little bit of ground rent as well. So um, I think was it the year before last Gern got one game, but it's just difficult because uh, you are sort of out on the on the outlying area of the county there on the, up against Longford. Yeah, definitely. Also on extra facilities was was the shop, and they have a shop there as well. Um, and then press facilities, they get the the standard four. Um, essentially, they don't have specific press facilities, but you can keep your notes dry by sitting under the stand if you're if you're willing to get that close to the action. I'm I'm, I'm predicting outrage from the Garner listeners here. Uh, just it's, based on the fact that Garner, that's, that's it, like. Pre- that's not like that's like predicting rain in Ireland. <laughs> we're going to have outrage. Of course, we're going to have outrage. Yeah, anything below number one. Uh, I was talking to a guy in a man. He, he said, "I hope it we're ranked in the top one." So <laughs> that, that, that tells you all you need to know. It tells you all you need to know about the game boys. They're, they're they're great crack. Um, okay, so now I, I will clarify on this. Twenty fourth was down at twenty third. Um, or I, I think it's essentially joint 20 toward here between Gauna and the next club, which is Terry Coyle, Cavan Gales, because they both finish up on 39 and a half points. Um, we're gonna to have to make so, a call, Damien. There's no joint, there's no joint uh, positions on this list, it's going to come down to pers- personal preference. I'm going to go with Terry Coyle in that one because, for, just for the simple reason that I've been to a lot more games than Terry Coyle, to be honest, I've covered a lot more matches than Terry Coyle. It's uh, central. It's, it's central just that's the only reason I've only actually been out to Garner's pitch a handful of times in the last seven or eight years well do you know what we'll do we'll um, we'll go through the we'll go through the the scoring and then we'll I'll I'll, I'll see if I agree or disagree with you again just to refresh my memory so on the settings we gave it a six out of ten even though you're up on a hill that should be overlooking Calvin Town the stand faces away from Cavan Town. There's a wall that blocks the view that potentially is there. Um, I, 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 I don't think it's that picturesque of a setting. No, it could, it could be, yeah. As you say, like it could be because you're up on a height and you could have a lovely view over the whole town and everything. But it's just the way the place is laid out. That no, it's not. It's not the most picturesque. No. The surface on it, um, because it's up on a hill, it does dry relatively well, but it's not a new pitch in any way. And sometimes it can get very wet during the, during the winter. So we gave it a seven out of a 10 on the surface. Um, the stand, we give it a six out of 10. You're, you're kind of, it's, it is a long and not that steep of a stand. And then you're a little bit back off. So you've kind of got the running track that, that goes in front of it. Um, but you're, you are in on it. The, the steps are, there's three steps, I think on each, uh, level and, and there's a good enough step up to it so you can stand behind the person in front of you and, and bar it's 
I don't know who's who's a six foot five man in front of you. You're going to get to you're going to get to see the game. So we gave the stand a six out of ten. Dressing rooms, brand new facility after being built, only two or three years old, um, and the dressing rooms are 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 top top notch. There, uh, they get a nine out of ten on the dressing rooms. Extra facilities, so they've got um, the running track. They've got a training field at the back. Um, they've got obviously the new gym facilities upstairs, meeting room, kitchen. Um, they've got uh, multiple dressing rooms, so four dressing rooms going for them as well. There, really well tarmac, uh, car parking area. Um, I think that's about everything that we had on them for facility to have a shop. Um, so we gave them a seven and a half out of ten for the extra facilities. And yeah. Impressed. yeah, I think the car park is excellent. Like, because space is limited around there, and they've done they've a nice job done on the car park there. Get a lot of cars yeah. in, uh, considering you're in the middle of the town, like, and parking's always an issue. Yeah, definitely. And then press facilities to get the standard four, um, which gives them 39 and a half. So, um, yeah, I, I'm actually, I, I don't know which way I'm going to go here on it. I, I look at, we'll go with the fact of the location. Calvin Town is just a bit central and, and for no other reason. I, I think that their facilities are exactly, are, you know, pretty much on, on a par them and them and Gowna together. But just for ease of access, we'll go for Terry Coyle. So they just nudge ahead of um, Gowna. And, and look at, if they didn't, we wouldn't have Gowna people complaining. We'd have Calvin Gales people complaining. So, and I, I live a lot closer to Calvin Gales people. <laughs> so I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so Terry Kyle just nudging ahead of, of Gowna on the, on the list uh, at number 23. Number 22, we've gone for a club back down towards the south of the county. Um, we've gone for Ballamacue. Um, setting, giving them a, a six and a half out in the country, nice trees all around, de- deliberately planted trees by the looks of it. It's almost plucked into a forest. You know, it's 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 a nice setting, I think, in fairness. Um, they made the, the most of what was available to them, I think. Mm. Um, the surface... I also is, like, the, I like the grass banks on one side. I think it's on the stand side. You, there's, there's a grass bank sloping back up to the trees and you can, on a nice yeah. day, you can sit there and, and chill out there as well. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Um, on the surface, we give them a seven and a half. Um, you know, most of the time it's 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 very good. Um, it's not that it's that new of a pitch in any way, so it can get a little bit wet. But in general, it is a good surface, um, and particularly during the summer, there, there's never really a problem with it. The stand, we give it a seven because it has that bit of depth, a bit more elevation at the back of the stand, um, probably. If the, the running track or the walking track wasn't between it and the pitch, it could have been an eight to stand because you are a little bit back off it. And, and probably the, the way we were looking at it or, or I was definitely looking at it was that when you have a game and people people's first choice is to go to the rail at the side of the pitch instead of the stand, then maybe the location of the stand isn't just as good as the stand yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, and, and that's generally the, the, the movement of people in, in Ballamacue during the summer. It'll be interesting to see will many use the, the new facilities. And we have to actually say that Ballamacue's extra facilities now 
that I, I do think they're completed, but we haven't seen them. So we're judging Ballymacue before the new clubhouse has been finished. Um, just in case Ballymacue are, are aggrieved that they're, they're down the list after doing this lovely new job. We haven't seen it. We're going to fall out with a lot of people. This could be our last podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so. Um, like I, I'd love to see the new facilities to be class. But on the old dressing rooms, um, we gave them a 7 out of 10. Um, there was, you know, they're, they're a little bit small. I'd say the old dressing rooms were. There was only two of them, but there were, um, there were. I, I thought they were comfortable anyway. It wasn't. It was never too bad. And actually, what I found was that you could, for some reason, in Ballymacue, just even the fact that they're not the biggest, but you, you, you got right on top of each other. So you could never really go out and not be a team coming out in Ballymacue because you were. You're after rubbing skin as you're dressing, putting on your socks, going out onto the field. So um they get it, they get a seven out of ten for the, the dressing rooms. The extra facilities they get an eight out of ten. So they've got a floodlit training pitch at the back. Um they had a, a meeting hall which doubled up as a gym. They had a kitchen, um kitchen facilities there as well. So in the small, <clears throat> excuse me, in the small area that they had small space that they had, they made absolute maximum use of. Then they have the walk and track, and it's so well kept around there all the time. So I think in, in extra facilities, Ballymacue are, are are doing really well there. And, and as I said, this doesn't even include their new facilities. Then finally, their press facilities, they get the, the standard four. You've got a stand that you can go to, but no designated press facilities. People are going to start thinking that this whole idea was to encourage clubs to put in a, a press box. <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> so Ballymacue then finish off with a total of 40 points, um, which is a very, very good score um, overall out of a possible 60. So 21 on the list and completing our lineup for today. And just to remind people, if they want to hear the remainder of the list, we'll be revealing it over on the Die Hard service. That's on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan. Um, 21 on the list is over your neck of the woods on the Mead border. It's Cuhullens. They get, for the setting, they get a six. Um, again, it's uh, probably just that, that you're right on the edge of the road there, you know, busy enough traffic coming by you sometimes there. And it's while I'm after saying the Ballamy Q because they, they made the most of what they have, they get a, a six and a half. There's I don't know what it is in 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 Kuhollands, but it just doesn't feel as as maybe manicured or as finished as Ballamy Q. Yeah. So they get a half a point less. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> That's the way we've got. The surface on on the pitch in Muller in Kuhollands uh, we've gone for a seven and a half. It is a good surface. It's it's. Um, I'm not sure if it was a pronty pitch or if it was a, a drained pitch at any stage, but it it does hold up relatively well. Um, during the winter, it can get a little bit a little bit heavy, but during the summer, it, it it can be a really good surface and it's a good big open field as well. So it's um it's it's a it's a good surface given a seven and a half. The stand we've gone for a seven, the exact same reason as. McHugh, they're nearly identical stands, um, well located in the center of the field, but you're back that little bit from the the action and from the sideline. People tend to gravitate towards the railing rather than go on to the stand as their first choice. Um, dressing rooms to get a seven, and even though there's a big facility there, the dressing rooms are are 
they still use the old dressing rooms um, in the little bungalow there, and, and they're quite they're a little bit too small, a little bit cramped. Um, and then on top of that is that you're you're literally running in on top of each other uh, to the dressing room. So one in front of the other, you have to go down the same hallway, a narrow little hallway. So it, it gets a seven out of ten on the dressing rooms. Um, but like they are, in fairness, they're they're comfortable enough, they're warm, there's there's showers, there's hot showers in them, so you can't complain once you get that after a game. The extra facilities, Kuholland, this is where they got a little bit ahead. They've got um they've been given a nine. And Paul, you'd be used to the facilities up there a little bit more than me, but like they have they have the uh, obviously floodlights, which they can play a game under, which is a big, big plus from a playing point of view. Um then they have a huge big hall there as well. Which you'd know more about than me. Yeah, but they have a huge hall at the um couple of one one handball courts. There's a there's a full commercial gym in there as far as I know as well, upstairs. A um, cryo spa. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> I think that I, I'm not sure is, is is that facility actually under the auspices of the GA club, that, that hall, or is that a community centre on the grounds? Uh, because I think I think the the park is a community park. It is. Um which is slightly mm-hmm. different in status to to a to a your, your usual GA club. Like there's a few like that around. I think Den is one as well, a community pitch. Slightly different. It, is it, one. Yeah, slightly different how they're set up. But I was just looking at it here. Uh, Den pitch was opened in in June 1985. Or sorry, Mullins um, was Mullen. opened in June 1985. Cabin played made, so it probably was in need of of a revamp. And it got that. I was at the reopening. Pretty sure their pitch was reopened. Cam played Wexford about eight or nine years ago uh, for the reopening. That a really nice day. I remember being up there. So in the lead up to championship, uh, so yeah, I like it up there. I think it's always very friendly, welcome up in up in Mola and um, a nice facility at the side of the pitch. Yeah, and again, it's, it 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 ticks that box of being a community area as in as you say it is actually a community grounds but it it's definitely the center of the community there with with the with the gym with the um the the indoor hall the one wall handball um on, in the hall as well so there's there's a lot going on there and i think there's there's talk of further development um maybe a training pitch or something going on up there as well so yeah there is there is but uh, we should say there's excellent phone coverage which is something i meant to mention Bally McHugh. Bally McHugh, you have zero phone coverage so that in reality Bally McHugh, you're lucky to be even on this list given that that we can't even <laughs> broadcast from there <laughs> yeah if you can do something about the uh the, the, the phone coverage Bally McHugh, you, you can definitely accelerate your your status on the lift list here <laughs> Um, Kuhollands then when it comes to press facilities they get the, the standard four um, yeah. essentially there, there, there are none but there is an opportunity for you to stand under the, the, the shelter of the stand so that gives them a 40.5 so a half a point better than Ballamacue thanks to Vodafone or is it Tree or Air or whatever <laughs> the companies that, that managed to give us good coverage up there so that's our Five uh, to start off the list, Paul. Um, yeah, uh, do you know what? It was, it was all a great idea, but I am actually worried that people may think we're insulting them. But remember that that's number 25 through to 21. So if you're really insulted, be just grateful that you're not on the, on the 15 below that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it gets to you. But it's um, like the, the, it just goes to show the standard, though, 
of the clubs around Cav and a lot are going to be saying, well, my God, if they're 25 to 21, what's number one going to be like? And and uh, but how... When we get up the rankings, um, there really is some fantastic facilities. Just for the record, um, the pitch in Beltorbet was opened by Arid Stewart of, of the GEA, Liam of on the 5th of August, 1984, Cavan played for Mana, and it was reopened then. That was the game I was talking about by Peter Quinn. That was May 98 when Cavan played Dublin in that game I was talking about. So, uh, scene of the crime in that junior match would have been probably the following year. Uh, who who yeah. else did we mention there, Damien? So I can... So I can oh, uh, sorry, yeah, Bally, Bally McHugh was opened um, by Brian McLaren and President of the Ulster Council in 1993. Cavan played Westmead. We're seeing there like 20 years on, Bally McHugh doing a big project there. 20 years probably is the lifespan of these things. Um, and yeah. t- Terry Coyle, this was a fit... The, the opening of Terry Coy was actually quite a famous game. Cavan played Kerry uh, in May 1970. That was Ollie Leddy's debut for Cavan. I hearing about this. Yeah, it's a fit. That was quite, as, as pitch openings go and challenge games go, that was a famous one. I did a thing about it a few weeks ago, actually. Cavan beat Kerry that day and they were the All Ireland champions and they came up with a really strong team with Mick O'Dwyer and Mick O'Connell and Donnie O'Sullivan and all those great players. And Cavan um, started with Ollie Leddy midfield and he was absolutely brilliant. 17 years old, man of the match. Uh, and that was a that was a famous win. Gene Cusick got a goal. A crush law had played the Gales in the I think in the court raiser was crush law against the Gales. And Gene Cusick might have got a couple of goals in that game as well. So that was a as pitch opens go, that was a really memorable one. But uh no, we'll we'll try count as count as pitch opening, have you today? Yeah, I think I think I find it here now. I'm looking at the list, but I have a list here, uh, but it's it's all over the place. Um yeah, I think I think Garner's pitch was just always there. I don't think it was ever opened. It was just it just grew. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no. it's, it's, it's oh like, yeah, sorry, it's I have it here. So Park Lock Garner was opened again by Liam Mulvihill uh, and Phil Brady from Arva, great great GA man, chairman of the Cavan County Board on sixth June nineteen eighty two. Cavan played Leitrim. It was reopened on second of May two thousand and eleven uh, by Aegon O'Farrell and Tom Riley. Cavan played Longford so yeah I, I remember being out at that one alright um, for that Cavan Longford game but yeah so 1982 that was a big that was a big thing for Garner when you think about it because as far as I remember I think Garner won the junior championship in 1982 um, and so that was the start of Garner's rise like within six years they were senior champions and went on to add a lot more senior championships in the 90s yeah. so that must have been really exciting times out around Garner a new pitch like that the club reformed like I think in the late 70s as far as I know and then you had a new pitch open and then you had a good young team coming up they were winning under 21s and minors and like it must have been a serious time of excitement around Garner when you think about it because anything was possible you were looking at this team probably saying we can actually go on and win senior championships here and they actually went and did it amazing mm-hmm. really when you think about it because you had very strong senior teams in Cavan like Lara Kingscourt and Rammer at that time so. and to be fair to Garner uh, you probably know better, but not only are they half a parish, which which we hear about regularly sharing it with Mullinyakta, but they're they're the probably the youngest club in Cavan, and yet have have in a very short space of time, or one of the youngest clubs, become a consistent senior team that that on any given day can beat any team in the county. Garner, yeah, that's that's it. Like, sure, they were one of the great teams of the last forty years. But uh, Shannon Gates are the youngest club in the county. But see, Garner, Garner would have had a team back in the fifties. 
uh, for definite and, and for the back I'd imagine like, I know that they played Coot Hill in a junior final or junior semi-final in the late 50s or mid 50s it was a famous match which was described in the anglo Celtic hilarious um, port in the South described it I think as something like raw savagery and, uh, it was Gary and I could absolutely kill each other that day actually pity I didn't have hadn't dragged that up because I might do that for the next podcast I'll find those descriptions were absolutely brilliant but so they had a team back then and you would have then you would have seen Garner men playing on Calvin teams but they might not have always been registered as Garner they might have been Cormore or Arva or Cornafane even someone like that and probably some of them might have went over to Longford to play but uh, I, I presume the club went out of existence or lapsed for a while and then it came back in the 70s late 70s when, probably when they had all these young fellas in the parish who were looking like good players and they said let's get our own club going again and uh, we've gone from strength to strength to that sometimes that's not an easy well I, I presume that's not an easy thing to do and maybe people are in the habit of playing for another club but um, yeah look well done to them so that brings us to the end of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast for this week if you want to check out the rest of the list We'll be going through it over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan.